Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. So Tu Bishvat is a minor Jewish holiday, not a biblical one, but it's a beautiful holiday. It's the New Year for Trees, and it's this Sunday, flash Monday, you know, Sunday evening, Monday, February 5th and 6th, and it's, a, it's a, not specifically mentioned in the Torah, but in Judaism, it's the age, of, the age of a tree is important in determining whether you can eat the fruit from it. Whether, when you can eat the fruit from it and whether or not you can. The fruit from a tree cannot be eaten for the first three years. This is God's way of taking care of the environment this way. In the fourth year's fruit, it goes to God. Only for, it's only for God. And that's a way of putting God first in everything. It would go to God. The tithe of the fruit of the tree would be God's. You would give it to God. So such a, such a wonderful design the way God designed it to do it. And after the four years, you can eat the fruit from it. So Tu Bishvat is the day that each tree ages a year for the purposes of determining if one can eat from it. Originally an agricultural festival, today Jews use it this, this day to remind themselves of their duty to care for the natural world. Many Jews take part in a tree planting ceremony or collect and send money to Israel to plant a tree there. You may want to do that. Or you might want to observe it by ideas. I thought these are some nice ideas. Planting a tree, seeds, or starting a, an herb garden, eating, or eating the seven significant species of the land of Israel. The wheat, grapes, barley, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. That's, back, that's in Deuteronomy 6, I believe, if I remember right. Uh, and then, or here's another idea. Organizing a park cleanup to collect litter. So I'm going to talk about the splitting of the sea. So Father, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word, B'Shem Yeshua. Gal enai va'avitani flaot me'toratecha B'Shem Yeshua. Amen Amen. we pray. And in Exodus 14, the splitting of the sea is such an important event. It's, it's a, and it's a real picture, a real preliminary picture. Uh, uh, event of our so great salvation that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, speaks about. Parasha uh, Beshalach is action-packed. The parasha we're in this week. Many miracles. The pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night are introduced that lasted for the 40 years of the journey of our people. The most grandiose, glorious splitting of the Sea of Reeds, or the bitter waters sweetened miracle. The manna, the bread from heaven miracle that came daily. Water from a rock. And then the defeat of the Amalekites in battle. Oh yes, and the miracle, this is this one, the Moses and Miriam actually singing in key and on pitch 
with the entire two and a half million people of Israel. That was an amazing miracle. They were actually in... So actually their songs are introduced here. Did you know that? The song of Moses and Miriam. They both had amazing songs in Exodus 15. And so Bishalach, as it's called in Exodus 13, 17, where the parsha begins, means in sending. Pharaoh sent, the word shalach, the people of Israel. But God, Yatsah, he brought us out. He caused us to exodus or to come out, Exodus 13, 14. And he, Nacha, he led us, he satisfied us, and led us means to let us to a goal in 13, 17. That's what he did. So Pharaoh, in the, word, in the use, use of the word here, sent the people, but God is the one that brought us out and led, leads us. Our exodus is based on, our exodus, your personal exodus, our exodus together is based on a gigantic, glorious miracle. And our walk with the Lord is filled with and dependent upon many awesome miracles, isn't it? We there are many miracles that occur in our lives. Sometimes we're not aware of them, uh, you know, or, and sometimes we go a, a period without any. And then sometimes they're like, boom, 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 boom. And sometimes, you know, there's the dry periods. And then sometimes there's like, oh, my gosh, Lord, you're answering prayers galore. And that's what, the way it is. The parting of the Red Sea is the prominent act of deliverance in the Tanakh the single greatest act of salvation recorded, and it's continually recalled to remind us of God's saving power. When Adonai pushed back the waters and led Israel on through on dry ground, he not only was doing a miraculous deed that displayed his power over creation, but he also freed the Israelites from Egyptian bondage may have been very, very gradual because the east wind was blowing all night long as Moses put his staff forth. So it may have been a very gradual thing. And the dry ground is mentioned, by the way, four times. Two different Hebrew words, but four times it's mentioned. Miracle. What an amazing thing. They could have had to have been flushing through the mud, but they were walking through on dry ground. Now, the chariots were caught in the mud, so it was muddy, but then God dried it up. It's a total miracle. Amazing. And this, is, this whole thing is such a picture of our, what Hebrews 2, 3, chapter 2, verse 3, calls our so great a salvation. Do you believe you have so great a salvation? Yeah, amen. We have so great a salvation. We don't have just an okay salvation, right? Just, an, just a, a mediocre salvation, we have a what? So great. Let's say it. So great salvation. Yeah, we do. And what's, who's, who is the name of salvation? Yeshua. Yeshua, right, Yeshua. Yeshua is the word salvation in Hebrew. Yeshua, the Lord saves, comes from that. Now imagine what trust, what trust it took for the people to walk on the dry seabed with the towering walls of water on their right and left being pursued by hundreds of choice chariots, 50,000 seasoned horsemen, perhaps, and an army of 80,000 foot soldiers with their officers, according to historian Josephus, intending to slice and dice them with swords and arrows. 
The Sea of Reeds, it's called in Hebrew the Kiryat Yam Suf, the Yam Suf, or it could also be translated the Lake of Rushes, supposedly had a width of up to 190 miles and a depth of nearly 10,000 feet. So Prophet Isaiah cries, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put among them the, his Holy Spirit, his Ruach HaKodesh, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make himself a name forever, who led them through the depths. Isaiah 63, verses 11 through 13. And listen to these passages in the Psalms recounting this event. But it parallels our salvation in Yeshua, right? So it's the event. It's the event. And we, just like we go back to being saved and, and, and have a song to sing because of it. Psalm 66, 5 and 6. Come and see the works of God. How awesome his, his deeds for the children of Adam. He turned the sea into dry land. They, they crossed the river on foot. There let us rejoice in him. 74, 12 through 15. Yet God is my king of old, working salvation, Yeshua, in the midst of the land. You split the sea with your power. You smashed the monster's heads in the waters. You crushed the head of Leviathan, giving him as food to the desert dwellers. You opened up spring and brook. You dried up ever-flowing ever rivers. 78, 12 through 14. He did miracles in front of their fathers in the lands of Egypt, in the plain of Zoan. He split the sea and led them through. And he made the water stand like a wall. By day he led them with a cloud and all night with a light of fire. And now 106, verses 7 through 12. Our fathers in Egypt did not ponder your wonders, nor did they remember your abundant loving kindness, but rebelled by the sea at the Sea of Reeds. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Sea of Reeds, and it dried up, and he led them through the depths as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of those who hated them, redeemed them from the enemy's hand. That's what he did for, for you when he saved you from, the, from Satan and from the power of sin and death, right? That's what he did. He saved us. That's what he did for us. From those who hated us from, and redeemed us from the enemy's hand. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words they were singing his praise. 136, 10 through 15. Who struck Egypt in their firstborn. For his loving kindness, for his loving kindness endures forever. And let Israel, let Israel from among them, for his loving kindness is forever. With a strong hand and outstretched arm, who cut the sea of reeds into parts. Yeah, let's say it. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. Let's say it. Amen. Forever, but hurled Pharaoh and his army into the sea of reeds. Let's say it. Amen. And we're going to rejoice one day when we see Satan hurled into the, 
a bottomless pit, right? We're going to rejoice and celebrate because of all the pain and heartache and death and sorrow and crying he's caused to God's people. Nehemiah 9, verses 11 and 12, you divided the sea before them so that they passed through the midst of the sea on dry land, but their pursuers you threw into the depth like stone, depths like stones into mighty waters. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day and with a pillar of fire by night to illuminate for them the way they were to go. And then lastly, Hebrews eleven twenty nine in the New Covenant, the Brit Chadashah, by faith they passed through the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds, as if on dry ground. When, when the Egyptians, rather, tried it, they were swallowed up. So our exodus... Our exodus is based on an awesome miracle also. And it should have resulted in an awesome song. When you were delivered, when you were saved, when you said Yeshua, yes to Yeshua, and he came into your life, and you were born again, and you had new life, the, the wind of God, the spirit of God entered you and cried out in Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 15, Abba, Father, yes, I know you, God. You're real. Wow, I'm, my spirit's awakened. I'm alive now to God. I was dead to sin in Ephesians 2, 1. Now I'm alive to God and I know you, God, and you're real. And you're, there's a song that should have emerged, right? And it said, wow, I'm alive and, and I know God and I know why I exist. We have an omnipotent God for whom nothing is impossible. Tidal wave or some kind of tropical storm or, what other, or other kind of meteorological miracle. Doesn't matter how it happened. God did it either way. Either way, he, could, he uses nature. He uses natural forces. Either way, nice timing, right? Nice result, right? <laughs> the great escape is because of the great deliverer. He deli- he's a deliverer. Colossians 1.13 says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom He loves. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Revelation 1.5, To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood. Because of the Passover lamb, that's what did it. That's freedom. That's where, why they were sent out. From Egypt, Pharaoh finally said, get them out of here. And they were, they, they were sent to the Red Sea, and God parted it. Titus 3.5, not by deeds of righteousness, which we have done ourselves, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the mikvah of rebirth, Titus calls it. The mikvah of rebirth and renewing of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Love that. The mikvah of rebirth, right? and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer slaves. We're a freed people. Amen? Salvation is not a me. It's a we. It's not, it's a me also, but it's also, and it's very importantly, a we. We have a collective identity and origin. We are a part of a community. God delivered us. Let's say it. God delivered us. Very good. All right. He freed us. Excellent. He saved us. We are an us, not an I. A we, not a me. He is Yeshua Tenu. Let's say Yeshua Tenu. Yeshua Tenu. 
Our salvation, our salvation. Now, Jewish people know this as a people. We survived as a people. The Jewish people have survived as a people because of that collective identity, because of that. That's the only way. And there's many books and many things that have been written on that. That's the only way we survive because of that collective consciousness and identity. And it's so, so important. It's so important for us as Jewish people. It's so important for us as a messianic community, as a, as a believing community. That's how, as a believing community, that's how we... Israel had a mutual shared origin, and so did the Kehillah. If we call our, the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, the body of Yeshua, we have a shared origin Likewise, look at, listen, i just give you those few, a few verses from Acts. Acts 1, 12 through 14, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives after Yeshua's resurrection and ascension. They returned to the Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, and then they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and it mentions all the disciples, the Talmudim, Peter and John and Jacob and Andrew. All these with one mind were continuing together in prayer along with the women and Miriam, Yeshua's mother, and his brothers. They're all mentioned. So they're together. In Acts 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, When the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, had come, they were all together in one place. And I believe, if I remember right, the Greek is together, together, in one place. And then suddenly came, there came from heaven that sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, Israel has, as I said, survived historically because of this identity. And so likewise, we as a kahila do. Scattered independent stones cannot construct a house. We are a temple. We are also a flock. We are also an army, right? We are a people and we need each other. We need each other as a, a body, the body of Messiah. Apart from the house, I'm a random stone. Apart from the flock, I'm a wandering sheep. Apart from the army, I'm a lone soldier. Apart from his people, I'm an aimless saint. So this is important. It's important to see that collective identity. We need, we are a part of one another, and we need each other. And there's so many references, of course, in 1 Corinthians and 12 and Romans 12 about this in the New Covenant in Ephesians 2. Paul also sees the Yam Suf deliverance and this Exodus escape as a picture of our collective death, burial, and resurrection with Yeshua when he says in 1 Corinthians 10, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all, all passed through the sea. And all were immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 1 Corinthians 10, 1, through 1 and 2. So in saving us, God did what we couldn't do. It was a miracle of escape, protection, deliverance, dry ground, walls of water. He did it. Paul says, Galatians 1, 4, he gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. In Exodus 14, disaster was, seemed inevitable. It seemed like God had even led them into a trap. In verses 11 and 12, they're marching. I'll just look down there for a minute. It says they're terrified. The Egyptians are marching after them. They're 
they cried out to Adonai, and they're, fear, they're fearful. And this word fear, yare, the word fear, yare, is used three times in, the, in this chapter, and it's used negatively and positively. They're afraid, but then they're going to be afraid in the right way of God because fear is, remember, fear, yare, it means that's what is constantly occupying your mind. It's constantly has your attention. So that can be negative or positive. If I'm occupied with the wrong thing, that's negative. If I'm occupied with the right thing, with the Lord, that's, the right, that's positive, right? So there, it's negative in verse 11, verse, uh, verse 10. Uh, they're, they're terrified. They're fearful, yare. They cried out to the Lord, and they said, Have you taken us away to die in the wilderness because there are no graves in Egypt? They think they're... And, and then Moses says those great words in verse 13. He says, uh, uh, Stand, Moses said, Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Stand still and see the Yeshua, the salvation of the Lord, which he'll perform before you today. You're not going to... The Egyptians you see now, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. How many have ever quoted that verse before? The Lord will fight for you. Anyone ever quoted that verse? I have, yeah. I said, the Lord will fight for you. I've had to rest on that verse a few times. Yeah, the Lord will fight for you. I, I, it's not me. I can't fight. I, beyond fighting for myself, I, and I won't do any good, the Lord will fight for you. This is what the Lord says. The Lord will fight for you, and you will you'll watch him do it. You will do it. And they, then he says, don't cry. Don't cry to me. Why are you crying to me? This isn't time to keep, continue crying to me. He says, go forward. So he says, God's in total control. He doesn't simply take control, take them on the wet, muddy ground, but on totally dry, hard ground. He is in control. The strong east wind in verse 21 occurs, and they go forward. It says in verse 30, going down to the verse 30 and 31, the Lord saved Israel that day from Yesha, the word saw, and the people feared Adonai. So Yare, now they're trusting Adonai, and they believed in Adonai. Now Emunah, they trusting Adonai and his servant Moses. Now they have faith in the Lord. So this was the result now of seeing the work of God. Now they're trusting in the Lord. Now what happened following that? Moses and Israel sang Chapter 15, verse 1, a song. They sang this song to the Lord. And our salvation should result in a song as well, if we realize what God has done for us. But if you don't realize what God has done for you, then maybe you don't have a song. But if you realize what he's done for you, you've got a song, right? A song to sing. This is called the Song of the Sea, Shirat Hayam. Let's say Shirat Hayam. Shirat Hayam, that's, the, that's what it's really called, the song of the sea. And Miriam's song and dance, they dance with all, sing and dance with all the women of Israel as well. That's in verse 20 and 21 with a hand drum. And so these spontaneous songs erupted. They were not pre-planned. Now, what other biblical women, question, what other biblical women composed spontaneous songs from the heart over victory? Deborah, right, Deborah in Judges 5. It doesn't say, De excellent, Deborah, doesn't say that Hannah's or Miriam's, I had to look it up because I, I thought, Hannah or Miriam, mother of Yeshua, 
They, they were prayers. It doesn't say they were songs. They may have been, but it doesn't say. But they were prayers for sure. Maybe they were songs. But Deborah definitely was a song. Besides Moses and Miriam, though, we have, you know, songs in the Bible. David, Solomon, uh, many songs, Solomon. Asaph, uh, Jeremiah, John, of course, in Revelation. We're going to sing in a minute and close out the service. Some leading biblical scholars assert that the long hymn in Exodus 15 should be designated the Song of Miriam. Songs accompanied by hand drum and dance were always associated with women who were the predominant percussionists in biblical times, according to one source. I didn't know that. Very interesting. But either way... We sing, either way, we should sing a new song unto the Lord. Amen. Psalm 96 and 98, both verse 1, proclaim, sing a new song to the Lord. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, 96.2. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have won victory for him. The Lord has made his salvation, his Yeshua known. 98, 1 and 2. So compose a song to the Lord because of a great deliverance. Or even if, if you're in sorrow, that's a, also a time to compose a song, as we know. Ephesians 5, 19 says, Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music in your heart to the Lord. The song of, now in Revelation 15, the song is also called the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. David Stern, just his comments, says this about Revelation 15, the song there. Just as the Israelites stood by the Red Sea after the Egyptian pursuers were drowned in it, those singing this, this song are standing by the Sea of Glass. At the time the Israelites sang the song of Moses, which is included in its entirety in the daily morning synagogue service. The victors over the beast will sing the song of Moses, signifying that true believers in Yeshua fully identify with the Jewish people. The song of the Lamb in Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4, is not sung to or about the Lamb, but by the Lamb to God, just as the song of Moses was sung by Moses and not to him. As the victorious Jewish people learned and sang the song which Moses sang, so the victorious believers in heaven learn and sing the song which the Lamb sings. Both songs are, use the language of the prophets and the writings extolling the just ways of God. The song of the Lamb adds that in the final judgment, God is revealed as the king of the whole world prophesied in Zechariah 14. And all nations will come and worship before him. And there's other passages in Isaiah that mentions that. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to sing that song in Revelation 15 one day. Are you looking forward to that? If you know Yeshua, if you know the So let's stand and we're going to sing, a, sing that a song now, a version of that that the Lord gave me some like almost a half century ago. Are your words, Lord God Almighty? Just and true, just and true are your ways, King of the ages. It's in Revelation 15.
Yivrechecha Adonai v'yishmorecha, Ya'er Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yisem lecha shalom. V'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar HaShalom. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.